Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Hey everyone, my name is Ty Nickelberry. Today we're going to continue our series, Who is God? Who are we? And what is the gospel? But today we're going to focus on who are we? That is, who is man? That is a question that we want to answer. And today I'm going to start off in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And one of the first things you see is that God says, let us make man in our image. We are created in the image of God. And, but we were also given a purpose. As you see in this particular passage, it says that man was to rule and they were to reign. It says here, and let them, that is man, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over everything that creeps on the earth. Man was to rule. Man, what is also interesting, was created on the sixth day. He is the pinnacle of God's creation, created in God's image to rule and reign over the earth. But it's also what we see is that man was also created for relationships. And if we were to look at um, Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, God says essentially that it wasn't good for the man to be alone. So let me make a helper, one that is suitable for him. And let me just go ahead and read that. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 24, it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so we see here that God creates the man, and he creates the woman. What we see here is gender, right? We see the male, and we see the female. And we live in a very confused, or should I say a gender-confused uh, time as well. So for instance... Um, executive orders that wants to promote the pushing of the LGBTQ community, um, transgenderism, and things like that. Again, if we get back to what God says, what the Bible says, God created them male and female. 
we have to go back to what God has said. God has created us for relationship. And not only that, he's also said to be fruitful and to multiply. And man, that's probably the only thing that man has ever followed in God's commands. We see that the world has been populated, but there's more. So we see this is at the very beginning. And when we get to Genesis chapter three, we also see the fall of man. But we also have to keep in mind that when God created man, He created man perfect, upright. If we were to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says that when God saw all of his creation, including man, he said it was very good. And also in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29, he says, um, truly God has made man upright, but they, that is mankind, have sought out many schemes. And we see that played out in Genesis chapter 3. And it says, and I'm going to start in verse 1, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So we see right here, God had given them a simple command of all of the trees of the field, you may surely eat, but of this tree, you should not eat. But what we see is we see a serpent in the garden who comes and he tempts the woman. And ultimately, he causes Hurt a sin, he causes demand a sin, and then what we see is that there is the fall of mankind. This is what we see as the fall of man. And then what we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 18, we see God's pronouncement or his judgment upon the man, the woman, the serpent, but also creation itself. And it says right here in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 3, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Verse 17, then God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying you should not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. And you'll eat the plants of the field. And so now we see here the pronouncement or the judgment of God. Because they rebelled against God's command, it created a curse upon man, which came upon 
the man, the woman, the servant, but also creation. He also says that God says, cursed is the ground (laughs) and says that toil, sweat from your brow. In other words, we have to work really hard. It wasn't that work was created after the fall. No, God had already created work. The fall caused work to be toil, painful, hard, difficult. So that was part of the fall. And this is when we're starting to talk about sin. And what we have to understand about sin is that Adam, he was what we call the federal head. He was the representative of man. And so when he sinned, it had an effect on all of mankind. Let me give you another example. Let me read Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. And so we see Adam sinning against God. And because of that, there is this pronouncement judgment that comes upon man. And what happens is that there's consequences for that. And the number one thing is there's a spiritual death. Now, if you recall, God said that you will surely die if you eat of this uh, fruit. Now, he didn't die immediately, but what happened is that there was a spiritual death. If I was to read Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, it says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And it says, you are dead in trespasses and sins. You see, that's all of us. All of us, mankind is dead in sin. Again, referring back to that Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 14 passage, because of Adam's sin, it spread to everybody. Because he was a representative, everybody who was born of Adam is essentially a sinner. But we're spiritually dead. We are disconnected from God. You see, God is the source of life. And if we want to have life, not just here on this earth, but eternal life, we have to be connected to God. And so what happened in that fall is that Adam and all of his posterity, all of his descendants died spiritually. Um, There's this chasm, okay, this um, space between us and God. We can't cross over to God, and because we're sinful, God will not cross over to us, essentially. So we see spiritual death, but there's also a physical death. And this is why, you know, we live in a time where we're all fearing COVID. Why? Because we don't want to die. Again, this is the result of the fall. We die, we, we, we deal with disease, and there is a number of things like that. And when we look at the world, like, it's just an unfortunate thing. And for whatever reason, when someone dies or a loved one dies, it feels unnatural. That's because God didn't create us for death. He, we weren't created to die like that. But because of sin and the consequences of sin, that's why we are experiencing death right now. But there's more. There's also an eternal death, an eternal death. Let me read Revelation 20. I'm going to look at verses 11 through 15. And then it says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. 
And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were, which were in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so what's going on here is that there is going to be a time at the end of the age when we die, we don't just cease existing. Our souls go somewhere. Either we're going to go in the presence of the Lord or we're going to go what they call hell. But at the end of the age, everyone who has died from the time of from that time all the way back to the beginning of creation, if they have not been or they did not go into the very presence of God, it says that they are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And Jesus describes this as weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is eternal death. You don't just cease living, but there are going to be repercussions or there are going to be consequences for all of the things that we've done. And if we don't have a right relationship with God, we're going to experience an eternal death. That's the problem with original sin. That's what we call total depravity. And when I think about total depravity, it means that man is sinful in just about every aspect of our lives, whether our thinking, our actions, Everything that we do can never be pleasing enough to God. Our hearts, it says, are evil. For instance, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, he says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, he says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, and a whole other um, array of things that are contrary to the character and the goodness of who God is. And it's because of these things that we will experience death. But also, if I were to look at Ephesians 4.18, it says, being darkened in their understanding. Now, he's speaking of Gentiles. These are those who are without hope and who do not have God. It says, excluded, they were excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. You see, there's, again, there's what we call total depravity. Man is depraved. Man is affected by sin in just about every one of his faculties. Anything that we do, again, we cannot do anything that is pleasing to God. And it doesn't mean that we're as sinful as possible. It doesn't mean that we're as evil as possible. Many times we might look at people who are probably in the prison system. We might look at murderers, people who have done some very egregious things. And we say, well, you know what? I'm not like that guy. <laughs> okay, so we may not be as evil. We may not be as sinful but yet, before holy and a just and a perfect God, we're still condemned to hell. The Bible tells us that if we sin at one point of the law, guess what? We're guilty of the whole thing. So we're all guilty. But it does mean, again, when we're talking about total depravity and sin, it has tainted every aspect of our being. You see, the Bible t- teaches us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. And man... No matter what we do, we can never do enough good things in order to please God. In Romans 8, 6-8, it says this, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, 
for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So you, me, all of us, anyone born of Adam, all mankind, apart from Christ, we can never do anything pleasing to God. We cannot have a relationship with God. We cannot initiate a relationship with God. In fact, the Bible even teaches us in Romans 3.11 that no one even seeks after God. So this leaves us hopeless as men. So what do we do? Well, the Bible is very clear that we are to put our hope and our trust, our faith in Jesus, the Son of God, who came and clothed himself in humanity and lived a life that we can never live and died a death that we should have died. That is the hope that we have. He is the bridge to God the Father. He is the bridge, the means by which we're able to have a relationship with God. So this is mankind. This is who we are apart from divine grace. Again, this is going to conclude Who Are We? But we thank you for tuning in. My name is Ty Nickelberry, and please stay tuned. We're going to um, conclude with our next episode, What is the Gospel? 